What is up, everybody? Welcome to this Trainwreck Sports Podcast, where we pay the bills. It is Jake Micah, as always, joined by my co-host, Michael Partham, and joined tonight by the one, the only, Maniac, as we are here to break down the bill season. It's bill season wrapped. Unfortunately, it's three weeks earlier than we all would have hoped that we'd be doing this, but we're here. We're here for the people tonight to talk through uh, one last uh bills game this year and look where we're going for we're gonna look we're gonna come out of this positive we're gonna be we're gonna have a plan in place for the buffalo bills super bowl run in 2024 2025 that's my goal mikey how you doing well same old same old another january another crushing soul hurting loss that we have a bunch of excuses for and very little answers going forward well said mike (laughs) How about you, Mania? Like an immune system that has just been, you know, warding off disease, I am absolutely used to this feeling of just heartbreak, confusion, anger. I mean, I, I think I feel pretty good 100 hours later compared to a lot of people. But obviously, Bill's get, Bill season ends, it's the saddest day of the year, plain and simple. That's facts. I I was I was pretty much in line with you, Maniac. I was memeing right away. Like, I was sitting there, like, I, I sat back head up for about I don't know a couple minutes after the game and then I was like this is just like this is just what it is like this is we've been in this spot before it doesn't make it easier but yeah it's we're all going through the stages uh at a different pace right now and we're gonna get down to the we're gonna get down to the bottom of it and figure out what did happen Mike because as you said there's a lot of different ways that I've seen every single explanation on social media everywhere else of what happened in that game whether it was the deep, whatever you want to blame. And I want to hear what you guys go into before we go into, but Mike, what do you think went wrong against Casey? Was it a massive failure of a, of a totality of a year and a totality of a team build that ended up coming short in the moments? Or was it a game that was really damn close, came down to the last final minutes, decided by a couple big plays here or there. And that's all, that's all it comes down to two great teams that were throwing haymakers and we just came up on the short end again. There's at least two or three plays that in the in the Marvel multiverse we'd be in an alternate reality where the Bills are going to the AFC Championship game and possibly the Super Bowl. But then there's just things that uh, AJ Klein being completely outclassed and outplayed, and uh, you know maybe if Dorian Williams had gotten that start earlier on, maybe it would be slightly different results. But of course, uh, 
missing not just one linebacker who we've missed all year, but two of our best uh, middle linebackers uh, really contributed to Casey basically dissecting us in ways that they hadn't really shown in uh, all the year or in even in recent weeks. And apparently uh, uh, Travis Kelsey is not, is not presumed dead. The reports of his uh, retirement have been great, greatly exaggerated. Apparently, if we can leave him that wide open for an end zone touchdown, then maybe he still got some gas left. I don't know. But uh, Diggs almost catching that deep ball. Uh, Josh almost connecting with Shakir and getting bumped uh, into with uh, Deion Dawkins by Chris Jones. Yeah. So many things that could have gone, you know, with. Just like, you know, Al Pacino said it's a game in inches. The inches are everywhere. Well, the inches everywhere pretty much hurt the Bills in this particular game. Uh, whether it's Bass missing by inches or Allen missing throws by inches or uh, guys dropping passes by inches. Um, the, the, the defensive line did not show up at all for this game. But what, what was supposed to be one of the Bills' strengths and what was supposed to be one of the emphasis of uh, Sean McDermott for this entire team and his team build uh, not just a good defensive line, but a good rotation of a defensive line. And where were they in this particular game? If they haven't been able to get to Mahomes in any of these uh, playoff games that they had against him. So I, and we'll talk about, you know, what they should do moving forward, but I think it's a indictment of how they've built this team and the areas that they, they've neglected to this point. And uh, we're going to go into what they should do going forward. Yeah, Mania, that was great. Well said, Mike. And I think you touched on a lot of the things that went like there's you can just if you want to just chalk it up to, hey, like a couple plays here and there, that's fine. But there was it was those couple plays were because of could be pointed back to issues within the build, not just this year, but the last couple of years coming to this moment. Maniac, how are you feeling? You were in the building. How are you? You, you broke it down. You did some blame ply or blame pie on Monday night and talk through it. But how are you feeling now? Like you said, a hundred hours later, you're feeling more, you're feeling better, but about this game in particular, how are you feeling still? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm still in a little bit of like shock about how it all went down. Obviously. I mean, you know, Partham, thanks for rubbing the salt in the wound. Like I wasn't the one responsible for Travis Kelsey after what I did last weekend. But with that said, it's like, so oh, I forgot crazy. About that. <laughs> you, you know, you go to the game, right? Like, we dropped easily what uh, I mean. And again, you could call the Sherfield one where he's getting PI to a, a drop or not, or whatever, but dropped probably about 150 yards in passes in that game. Um, you know, the defense could not get a stop for the first three quarters. I think you like you alluded to the uh, we definitely would have benefited. You know, I don't I, and listen, I listen, you can call me a McDermott simp all you want. AJ Klein was coming off an amazing game against the Steelers. He knows exactly where he's supposed to be in the system. And I know people are like, oh, well, Dorian should know that. He's been coached up all year. Klein has been coached up a lot more by McDermott than, than uh, Dorian Williams has. So I think he was going with the guy who he knew would be in the right spot. Again, did it help that uh, AJ Klein knew where, where he was supposed to be? No, because he was just getting fucking PWN3D pwned all friggin' day uh, for the first three quarters. Now, let me digress a second, though. The defense couldn't get a stop for the first three quarters. But like I've said to any Bills fan going in, Look, look at some of these numbers. The Bills ran 78 plays. The yeah. Chiefs ran 47. Yep. Okay? I mean, the Bills had seven more first downs than the Chiefs. And 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 the and the most of all, and this is typically where this game where these games are won is third and fourth down. The Chiefs were one for five on yep. third down. That just speaks to how little you were getting them there ultimately. So you hear those numbers, you're like, "Oh, they should won." 
And again, I tell you, I said this day after I've been saying it since you tell any Bills fan, it doesn't matter what team they have, any team for the last four years, if you could go into the fourth quarter needing three points to tie, four points to win, and you have three possessions, any Bills fan would take that. They would take that tomorrow. They would take that in a minute if they could. But the Bills couldn't get it done. That's just how it happened on that Sunday night. One thing I want to point out about the uh, first down discrepancy, 27 for the Bills to 21 for the Chiefs. They didn't need that many first downs because they got eighty, at least eight 20-plus yard offensive plays, and the Bills got exactly zero. So they were skipping first downs uh, left and right while the Bills were just methodically going down the field. And when you do that, when you have those 10-plus play drives, it invites a lot of variance. It invites a lot of of probability of things going wrong and uh, passes being dropped, of course, and uh, coming up short of the first down. If you can't get that toxic differential of 20-plus yard plays along with turnovers on your side, then you're not going to win very many games. It's crazy how many... 20 to 40 yard plays they had because they didn't really have like a 50 plus yard play. Yeah. They just had a lot of 20 to 40s along the way. And yeah, like you said, Parthi, that got them an average of three yards more per play. And ultimately that made things easier on them for most of the game. Yeah, Mike, you read my mind. I was going right to the, the toxic plays because that's, I mean, and Maniac, we talked about it before the game Sunday. I think we were both in alignment. Like if the Bills, again, control the pace of play, control time of possession in this game, they keep Mahomes in the pocket, keep him off the field. That we thought there would be success and they thought it would be an equal a Bills win. And the Bills did that. They executed that game plan, but you got to mix in some explosives there. Having the, the the explosives from the Kansas City side is one thing, letting up the eight explosives. Like, and this is an obviously it was an offense this year that struggled, but it's Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. Like, I think you, I think we have to go to the point where no matter what their offensive stats look like throughout the year, you can't just expect Patrick Mahomes to not come through in a playoff game. He's going to, He's going to put up his numbers. He's going to play at an elite level because that's what he's done in pretty much every single time he's been in this situation. But the Bills' lack of explosiveness is where the team failed in my in my eyes. Like, you talk about the D-line and the investment and how they no-showed. And they did it. They did no-show. I mean, Ed Oliver, one assisted tackle in this game. Von Miller, who's been basically disappeared for this entire season, was their best defensive lineman in this game. And after there was not the contributions from Epineza like there was the first time against Kansas City there wasn't we didn't get Leonard where was Leonard Floyd like Leonard Floyd all year awesome just disappearing in this game but the lack of pass catchers the lack of support around Stefan Diggs and I do not want to hear about oh if Gabe Davis was their chief killer it would have been different because I putting the eggs into the Gabe Davis basket is the issue that started this season in the first place because Gabe was inconsistent all year long and I was screaming from the top of the heavens last year that they needed to get more wide receivers in this room. I was screaming at the top of the heavens a couple of years ago. Jeremy White's been screaming it for years. Like there's been so many different people in this watching this team for years that are like, we need more dynamic pass catchers. We need to add to Josh's fastball. And I'll give them credit for adding James Cook on the third try of adding a running back. I'll give them credit for adding Dalton Kincaid, who I mean, could be one of the top five tight ends in the league for the next couple of years. And we'll obviously have keep building rapport and have great seasons with Allen. But I want to come back to the Stefan Diggs. My first reaction was coming after Stefan Diggs. And I still think I've, I'm still not very happy with Stefan Diggs because the second half of the season, it was right after the tweet. It was right after the timing is not, it's right after the Trayvon Diggs tweets and everything else. He fell off a cliff this year. And what, if you want to say he was injured, you want to say there weren't pass catchers around him 
that could help support him if you want to say that the scheme changed that they were they were not forcing I want to jump in real quick cuz go ahead big, go ahead a big point of this is was he injured people think he was nursing injury though fine my only thought process is if he was nursing an injury why are you running a jet sweep with the guy on the very first play Great of the game point. so 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 to be honest when i saw the jet sweep on the first play of the game i go holy shit Stephon Diggs is fully healthy if they're doing that. That was just my thought, but keep going. Go and on. he burned the Jarius Sneed, who's one of the best corners in the game, on a deep ball and just doesn't come down with it. Like, that doesn't look like a guy who's injured there. And if he is injured, sit him out for three weeks and, and get him healthy because there's all this talk from McDermott this week and being this week about how we need to be playing our best going into the playoffs, need to be, need to be at our healthiest and playing our best in December and January. Well, they needed that guy at the top of his game. So my biggest thing is that they have not – done enough in these years past to add to that pass catching room. And it came like, and you talk about the D line that you brought up, Mike, they, this is a, this is an indictment on Bean is as much as it is McDermott because it's either a addressing the wrong needs or B making picks that didn't end up working out. And that has hurt them because you know what the chiefs had is guys who could come in and, and impact the games right away. The same thing with the Ravens. And that's why they're in this position. I think that's why we're talking about the bills as we get into their cap situation and everything later. And everybody's like, Oh man, this is going to look tough because they have guys in positions that just haven't turned out the way they wanted to. And it, by real quick, if, cause we're looking for, you know, what went wrong, et cetera. Yeah. If I told you that one of these teams had four crucial drops on Sunday, hmm. we watch a lot of the chiefs being bills fans. They've had a lot of drops this year. They've been yep. plagued by them almost. Where did MVS come from in this game? Money that it would have been the Chiefs with those drops. Did he find that uh, elephant glue that the the one guy on the replacements had? <laughs> had to be something, man. You know, when you watch it, I mean, again, Bills fans overanalyze everything. It's almost like he just turns a little bit too much back towards the ball when he's relocating it. Yeah. He sprints and he takes it and he buys it and he gets the space. He turns just a little bit too much. And then he has to hop himself back to jump, and he doesn't line up with the ball, obviously. But, yeah, brutal. Yeah. Have you seen this uh, stat about 100-yard receiving games over the final 15, 13 games for the Bills? Gabe Davis actually had three. Khalil Secure had two, and nobody else had any, including Stephon Diggs. I also saw something where second half of the season, like Shakir was doing more on like basically the same number of targets, right? Yep. Yeah, I saw that too. Uh, last 10 Bills games. Uh, receiving yards, Khalil Shakir, 462, Stephon Diggs, 422 on a number of targets. Shakir on 37 targets and Diggs on 80 targets for those yards. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Shakir led the league in, in catch rate for the season too. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's, the Diggs question is not, the Diggs question no longer is going to be, you know, does he want to be here? Does he, whatever. It's like, when, when is he going to show up in these big playoff games? Because I think the playoff stats are pretty damning too. And yes, there is a thing where you take away the number one receiver. So A, that he needs more help because he needs attention away from him. But B, one of these games, you just got to, you got to give your quarterback something and make the play where he, you know, when, when he needs it the most. So the last thing I want to bring up here is the, is the Allen throw at the end because Allen, I'm I'm perfectly okay with the throw to Shakir. It, it's a touchdown if Chris Jones doesn't make an all world. Chris Jones, Chris Jones is one of the best defensive linemen in football and has been for years. And what Chris Jones did was did, did what we paid Von Miller to do. He closed that game out on the one rep that he needed to do it. 
he made it happen. Do you ha- put any more blame on Allen, or do you think that he he played as well as he could have in this game and that the defense failed him again? Uh, looking at that play again with Diggs underneath, and I was seeing Diggs underneath live as it was happening and screaming, you know, Diggs is open, throw it to him. But I think there was at least two uh, defenders up ahead where, at the first down marker that would have stopped him before he would have been able to get there. So it would have been at least a third and short, but yeah. then that keeps the drive going. And some people are saying on third and nine – uh, Kincaid was open to make it a fourth and short situation, which they might have got, been able to go for uh, if McDermott was willing to take that chance rather than try for the field goal for the tie. Uh, so I don't blame uh, Allen for trying to find Shakir in the end zone. I mean, it would it, it, it was like those uh, plays that he missed uh, miscommunicated with Gabe Davis on at least one or once or twice. But uh, Shakir was there. He made the right break, and Allen – made the right throw to the right area. He just couldn't put his, uh, his uh, follow through into it. Yep. What about you, Maniac? It's tough. Cause it's like the bills multiverse where there's like 38 different ways. You can go. I'll start with the throw to like the, the idea that he should have thrown to digs. Um, the only pro to that, I think was cause it, it was short of the sixth. The only pro to that, in my opinion, was that it would have kept the clock running because I've seen a lot of discourse. Well, the Bills would have been tied with a minute 40. You're kidding yourself. You don't think Mahomes would have driven. Uh, that would obviously be from that sense of, you know, that perspective. But, no, of course, I live and die with that Josh Allen throw. I live and die with Josh Allen interceptions. I live and die with Josh Allen bubbles. Josh Allen is my guy. I'm going to live and I'm going to die. There's so many people who say, who hate on McDermott for not letting Allen be aggressive enough. And then they get pissed that Allen didn't check this down. Like, do you not see how like convoluted that is in your brain? I mean, seriously. So I'm going to live and die with it. I thought it was a great like anticipatory idea. Obviously it was off by a couple feet due to the contact, but I'd live and I'd go down with shooting again. I'm completely with you on it. I, I like, like you just said, that was the point I was going to make. Like, if I sit all here on this podcast and said, "Let Josh be Josh," and that you have to take the good with the bad and everything else, I cannot then, in the mo- biggest moment of the season, be upset that he's going for the kill shot when it was there. Was I mean, there? it was open. That the, the play was there. It was he, Shakir was open in the end zone, and Chris Jones just made a better play. Like Chris Jones, an All Pro, made a play against a Pro Bowl left tackle and. Whatever Dion played great at all season, obviously deserves the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Got destroyed on that rep, but that's what happens again. Great players make great plays at, at times like that, and Chris Jones did that, and that's what you got to chalk it up to. I think there's a lot of people that just want to put, and obviously we're looking at everything through a Bill centric lens. We're Bills fans, everything else. I mean, the Chiefs just the Chiefs are just a heavyweight team. They're a champion, and they came out and made the plays when they needed to too. Like they matched everything in this game. Like the Bills were the Bills were right there with them throw it like it was 10 nine rounds the whole way through and then it was a late knockout like that's all it was and and sometimes that happens in these games and there's not I don't think there's any correlation with you know the last couple years or anything else this felt just like a game that could come down to any type of play and the Chiefs made that play the Bills didn't that's where you got to go to that's where I ended up with on it one last note on that Shakir throw by the way I feel like Allen didn't float it almost because I think Allen realizes in the last millisecond that he's got someone in his face. He's got someone on his shoulder. And so I think with that, he keeps the throw just a little bit low. You know, let's not leave it hanging and get picked. The irony being, I think, Kevin, you guys haven't seen the play as well. I think if that ball's floated another third of a second, another half second, Shakir could get in there and maybe dive for it. Yep. Hmm. Any last thoughts, Mike, before we go on? 
Uh, the Bills have been getting defensive stops in the last third of the season that they hadn't been getting at the middle of the season. But against this Chiefs team on this particular day, I don't think they would have trusted uh, their defense to make a stop in those last uh, less than two minutes, 145, whatever it was. So I guess you could make an argument that, you know, checking it down for to make it third and short, fourth and short would have actually been better to bleed the clock a little bit. Not unlike the old days where uh, we didn't let Brady have one more possession if we could help it, you know, like Fred Jackson going down at the one and kneeling out the clock as best we could. Um, yeah, it's t- it's tough because my opinion is, and as far as team building goes, forget the defensive line. You're not going to get pressure on Mahomes, especially in the in the postseason. You got to build it through the secondary. You got to make him uh, hang in that pocket just a little bit more. Not unlike Allen was having to hang in the pocket and have the option to take off running because we don't have that many receivers, if any at all, that can, you know, get separation these days. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. So let's, let's, that's our KC debrief. We got, we got through it. I I'm, it is what it is, man, at this point, but we're, let's get into the whole year because this year was a wild ride for us in a lot of different ways. Obviously the six and six start, the run to the division. We had some. We had a lot of fun along the way. Beat down of the Cowboys, beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead, beating the Dolphins on the road. So I'll start with you, Maniac, and then you, Mike. Was the year a failure or was it a success in your eyes? Do you would you be happy with you if if you would have hit the button before this year started? Do you have taken this? I mean, I would have definitely taken hosting two home playoff games for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, I think that's a success. Uh, I think where they ended up based on where their trajectory was, was a failure ultimately. So I think the answer is a little bit in the middle. Uh, I think fans will want, like, you know, fans who love coping will want to say it was a success. They, they overcame it. You, you can really frame it any which way. Bottom line, you had Josh Allen, and this is another year where you did not win the Super Bowl. That in itself is a failure. You also had a season where uh, I think halfway through the year, they had lost like basically like 25% of the salary cap to injury and in IR. You had Trey White out, you had Daquan Jones out, you had Matt Milano out. Uh, I think those injuries really hit in the middle of the year uh, when they when they were stutter stepping and kind of going to that six and six. So from that perspective, you could say, well, what they did with that was a success. You could look at the emergence of the young weapons. I mean, I think for the first four to six weeks, people were like kind of pissed about Kincaid. They're like, this Laporta guy is doing everything. Now I think everyone's happy with Kincaid. I think everyone's happy with Cook in his year two. I think everyone's happy with Shakir and what we saw in that development. And those are your weapons going forward. In that sense, it's a success. But again, bottom line, this is another year where Josh Allen's closer, getting closer to like 40 than he is to 18. And, you know, he didn't win the Super Bowl, bottom line. So to that, it's a failure. But the answer's in the middle. What about you, Mike? As Maniac said, given what they had to work with on defense at times, uh, you could say that they overachieved a little bit, but at the end of the day, this is a results-oriented business. And if you can't get past where you've been in uh, years, more, the recent years, then if you're if you're a true competitor, if you're gonna you know get pissed off for greatness out here, like so many of the greats have, like your Jordans and your Kobe's and let's say your Brady's as well, then you, you got you can't be anything but unhappy about this. Uh, we as fans could, you know, take comfort in certain details about the emergence of certain players and how others played in uh, emergency situations. But at the end of the day, I, the what really matters is what the GM, the coach, the quarterback thinks. And if they don't think this is a failure, then they're not 
not going to really be able to do much going forward because they're the ones that have to look at this as a failure and be that much more motivated to come back next year, pissed off and trying to do that much more to, you know, do whatever they can to get past at least the divisional round for crying out loud. Yeah. So you made the basketball reference. I'll make it to uh, the current NBA st- uh, status right now. The, the bills are like the Philadelphia 76ers. They got Joel Embiid MVP caliber p- player, go out there and probably you think they should be a title contender every year and they max out in the second round. Maybe they'll get to that championship series, but they're going to, they're going to have losing it to their rivals in that team too. And that's where we're at. We're at this team that is, they, they, we know that they have the talent level across the board. We know that like the players are in place. We know that Josh Allen, everybody looks at regardless of what ridiculous sentiments you hear on ESPN or other television programs during the week. We know it's a guy that you can go into every season and be a Super Bowl favorite when he's on your team. He's an MVP finalist for Christ's sake. Like he's he's one of the best five players in the league this year according to everybody who's voting on that. And that's that's a failure when you don't when you don't get to the Super Bowl or get to the and that's the thing too is like if this team had a Super Bowl appearance even maybe you could have a different uh thought on how this regime has been the last couple years and everything but they haven't even broken through to that and i think the the biggest failure is that being you know said it a couple years ago after the loss of kc like we're building to beat kc okay you got them at home you built this team to beat kc you have all this investment in this d-line they're all healthy and there were injuries on the defense that that's tough i mean the, the injuries on the defense should not be something that is just overlooked because it was a big even just in this game with having Christian Benford, who could have made a difference in this game. Terrell Bernard, like we were talking about AJ Klein earlier, like Terrell Bernard makes a huge difference in this game. And the responsibility of that that D-line, maybe there's more, you know, maybe there's more diverse pressures sent from the secondary or something. Maybe there's a different game plan to attack Mahomes if they have more guys in the secondary or have a better uh, linebacking core going into this game and there's not so much reliance on the front four. But this defense was built to the, to get pressure with the front four and everything else. So all that being said, yeah, I, I think it's a failure. I think to get the six and six start, like this is a team that should be 13 and four, 14 and three, when you look at the yeah. season on paper. So to be 11 and six is a failure, I think, to begin with. It's also just a shame that the Bills have been the two seed three of the last four years. And it's when the NFL switched to having seven teams and they don't get that bye because damn, that bye week would have helped out this this year uh, with all the injuries that happened in that wild card game. So that's the Bills, the Billsy luck, I think. That sneaks yeah. into it more than anything. Um, but let's look. Let's let's get bright. Let's look forward here. Uh, Mike, I'm sure you've been digging in. I'm sure you've been lo- looking up what uh, free agents, what draft prospects, whatever else can get to be done to improve this team. But just from a higher level, what would be the ways you would attack this off seasons to make keep this team a Super Bowl contender? As of right now, 43 million over the cap. But our friend Greg Thompson at Cover One had a pod yesterday, and they can get to about realistically about twenty-five to thirty million under the cap with a bunch of restructures and letting go of some of older players and everything else. But they're mm-hmm. so I'm assuming they'll be somewhere above the cap by the time free agency hits around. They obviously have a plethora of I think they have eleven draft picks in this draft, so they have a plethora of picks to work with. What would moves would you make this offseason? What would be your top priorities for this team going forward? Well, I believe uh, Brandon Bean alluded to uh, once again having to shop in the discount section and not, you know, uh, having a lot of resources to work with. Uh, so not not to expect any big moves to be made. So I want my wide receiver train. I, I'm all aboard with Jeremy White from GR about uh, 
getting some receivers. Receivers, plural. I don't want to just yes. draft one in the first round. I want like a second and third one. And it's probably going to have to come from the draft unless someone's willing to take less money to play with Josh Allen over here. Uh, I'm letting Gabe walk no matter what. It, no, it, even if he wants to come back for less money, his limited round tree, uh, opposing defensive backs saying how easy it is to game plan for him. It, it's, I think he's been figured out. I think he's he has his games here and there, but not free. He's very hot and cold uh, player. He's probably frustrated a bunch of fantasy owners in the in the process. We got to move on from him. We got to find our next wide receiver one A. If not, find a replacement for Stefan Diggs if he's lost a step or if he's been figured out. I'm we're not sure what it is. Is it scheming? Is it uh, double teaming? Is it uh, lack of communication? Is he injured? We. We have more questions than answers at this point. So we got to get our receiver uh, uh, core replenished back to 2020 levels as it was. Yeah. John Brown and Cole Beasley was actually a, a contributor at that point. Um, I think – I don't know that they're going to move on from Matthew Smiley as special teams coordinator, but uh, I think at this point with all the different ways that special teams has let us down this year, whether it was kick coverage or field goal coverage or – uh, kicking or punting. Uh, I think we need somebody else to oversee all that. Uh, yeah. And just, just go and get wide receivers. We, we're going to have to replenish the defensive line, unfortunately, in some regard, because of all the guys that uh, yeah. we either can't resign or don't want to bother resigning. Uh, we still got Von Miller as an albatross around our next, whether it's because of money or because of off the field issues. Yep. Uh, and I want to go get safeties because we're going to have to, replace Hyde and Poyer at some point. Uh, if not this, this coming season, then at least uh, two seasons from now, but uh, wide receiver is going to be at the uh, top of my list as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well said. What about you maniac? Yeah, we're uh, barking up the same tree. I'm all in on wide receivers and safeties in the draft for sure. Um, I think Poyer has another year still left. Hyde is going to be up in the air, but uh, if you can get those young safeties in under Jordan Pyre, I've seen some like fantasy talk about like Trey White going to safety. I mean, <laughs> like you've all lost your brain. I really think all of you just played Madden and like the ability to move a CB to safety, like didn't really ever downgrade them. Like I'm pretty sure at the NFL, those are completely different positions as far as scheme, responsibility, what you're supposed to do. So I don't know. I won't talk too much further than my ass, but that just seems very uh, like fantasy like. And I will say this right now. If the Bills take a receiver in the first round and then like the third or fourth round, guarantee there will be some point where there's a controversy where our third or fourth round wide receiver is performing. (laughs) And I just want to say, I'm all in on it. I want to maximize those skill guys. And the other thing is you need those skill guys under cost control for the next three to four years now that Allen's number is going up in a big way, basically doubling. So I'm all in on that. I'm all in on the skill guys. I think you got all your grunt guys. We are going to get – now, this is the sleeper thing about this. I, I agree with Con Miller being a big-time uh, weight on our shoulders this season. I think maybe you give him another full offseason. He might have, you know, a little a little bit of uh, – you know, to quote Mark Henry, he might, he, might have, he might have a little bit left in the tank uh, as far as what he can provide. We were seeing some nice flash at the end of the year. The off-the-field stuff, like, just to be clear, if anybody asked me, put my, like, feet to the fire, I think that, you know, he's going to be in trouble based on what happened on the off-the-field stuff, so we'll see. But uh, I did like the, what he was doing on the field. Again, I'm going by the NFL's rules. If they're going to let him play, I'm going to assess his play. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I just want to say, in addition to, you know, Miller potentially coming back next year, we only got four games of Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano this year. 
Yes. So that should yeah. be an absolute weapon for McDermott. And again, people can hate on McDermott all they want. I thought when he had a healthy defense, that defense was looking world-class top five, top three easily. Uh, I think it started to slip by the end of the injuries, uh, but I think you give him a healthy defense. And again, you, you always say you can't guarantee injuries or anything in the NFL. Well, for the first couple of years of the bills, they did pretty good with injuries the last couple of years. They haven't. So let's hope we can get a reversion to that mean next year and maybe get a healthy season. And I still, I mean, we talked about it earlier, like it was game in the mark, like it was a failure against KC, but it was a game in the margins. Like this roster with the injuries, a couple plays go different. We're talking, we're previewing an AFC championship here and a potential chance to go to the Super Bowl, even with the injury. So like everybody's worried about the, the roster being similar to this year. It's like, okay, like they, they're, they, they can get healthier. And like you said, Vaughn, ACLs really are two year, like your second year and the recovery from it is when you get back to full 100 percent strength and and speed and everything else um for this for the season he had flashes this year more towards the end of the year which you would think would be encouraging towards the start of next year but they're going to lose floyd we don't know what the interior of that line is going to be that's what scares me in the draft of them not picking wide receiver round one is that they're like well we need to pick some big tavandre sweat from texas type d tackle to sit next to ed oliver and they're not going to learn from their mistakes that's really this this offseason is really going to test what what Bean like if Bean can learn from his mistakes and McDermott too like where like McDermott's on the, in the presser talking about they want to be pass first and, and Bean's talking about how they need to be more explosive and everything else and they have been a pass first team don't get me wrong they've they've they have first down a lot that was yeah. a little sketchy I'll, I'll say that was it was, a, it was, a it was probably the sketchiest part of McDermott like he really tried to slip it because they they were aggressive. I and I yes. think he has learned a little bit from the, some of the mistakes. He, he should absolutely not be reeling in Josh Allen some of the ways he was in past years. But I, the fact that he slipped in like I've always been a pass. <laughs> like what? And and yeah, because it's not like we have we've listened to you say like we need to establish the run, we need to get it in there. Like yeah, it, it is a little ridiculous. But maybe he's t- sick and tired of seeing like Rashi Rice and Travis Kelsey and Marquez Valdez can't like. Now the Scantling, like, yes, he was bad all year long. I think we we roasted him plenty of times. But having that tertiary guy who can make plays in a moment like that, that's all that that's made the difference. Then. So I'm with you about adding guys in the draft. I also think they should take a flyer if they can get a low-cost guy, if there's anybody that they can get. Like, add three receivers to the, the room needs an overhaul. Like, Shakir and Diggs, and then you don't need anybody else left in that room. Like, give it, give it a new option. Give it a new look. We know Kincaid's going to be better next year than he was this year. And I'm really excited to see what he looks like. But imagine how dynamic Dalton Kincaid will be if he actually, there are actually weapons on the outside opening up the middle of the field for him too. Like it, it all kind of relates together. And yeah, this team needs to add to Josh Allen. Like we, that we've seen, that's the biggest thing is you've built through defense and hope that Josh and Diggs and whoever else can get you. And they've gotten to you to great lengths, but they've maxed out at like clearly maxed out of the division around. It's three years in a row. Something has to change, and maybe if you take a couple swings and it doesn't work out, whatever. But you can't insane like you can't just be insane and keep doing the same things over and over again, adding to the D line, adding to the defense, and hoping that Allen's going to pull you out of it again. It's just not going to happen. You know, I, we've seen bar charts on social media every once in a while that shows that the Bills have been mostly pass heavy, yeah. but uh, recently, I don't sure. think they I don't think they have been as much in the last few weeks. Ironically, since Joe Brady took over. And yeah. we've thought that the the passing game has has had a marked improvement, at least using motion and all these other things. Where Dan Orlovsky was saying, uh, uh, Ken Dorsey was like one of the more predictable offenses uh, in the NFL. Uh, 
But just this past game, you looked at the breaks and uh, the splits in passing and running, 39 pass attempts and 39 rushing attempts. So there's there's your complimentary balanced football, which I hope is wasn't by design. <laughs> Some of those had to be, you know, Josh Allen scrambles when he couldn't find anybody downfield. But uh, I hope we're going to stop, you know, the drafting of running backs in days one and two and try to find something else to draft on offense that could provide us with a, a, lot, a few more yards than a rushing attempt. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you take away Josh Allen's runs and the and the Demar Hamlin catastrophe, uh, that that was a third of the running attempts on uh, on the on Sunday. So, and that's why they love the passing game so much because sometimes if the pass isn't there. What happens? The big golden retriever takes off. You gotta love it. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's a weapon every single time. Uh, I can't remember. I was talking about it. I think with my brother the other day, and he said Sean McDermott thought it was about to be a Disney movie when Demar Hamlin got that snap. Oh yeah, that was yeah. flying around everywhere. <laughs> that was that was a. That's a good I mean, one. against 10 guys, too. If you watch the replay, and again, because where we are basking in the end, it's the year end draft. If Dem- this is a cra- this is another crazy point. I think I said something crazy earlier, but if Demar Hamlin actually takes that snap and doesn't move for like the first two seconds, I think he actually picks it up. Because yeah. if you look at it, he kind of tried to go through the two or three guys that were there. And didn't make it. But if you give the play like another half second, everyone gets mowed down because they only have nine guys up on that part of the field. Yep. I think so. I, I think he was excited. And I think he he's not a runner. He ran passes a little bit ahead of his blocks a little bit. Just the fact that once Reed Ferguson, though, shout out Reed, saying that that was called from the sideline, though, at the first thing I tweeted right as it was happening was like, you just, just put the offense on the field on fourth and five. Like if you're going to, if you're going to go for it, just go for it, man. And then, and after McDermott said, we're going to go for it at the halftime interview. Like, that's not what I was thinking. I was not thinking fake punt at your own 30 yard line. And I admonish every coach that does that in that move, I will sit there and roast the whole time. So I got to do it for Sean. It was just like in a moment, I think he was pretty good in this in this game with the decisions to be aggressive and everything else that one will stick in our brains i think for for quite a long time even though it worked out even though like the the football gods were like we're not going to let this catastrophe all the lies just put josh allen out there in the shotgun have him give one or two looks and then run for five yards like he was yep. doing all game yep pretty much um so last question before we go here how long is the window going to be open because it's still open. I had it I had it negative first. I'm switching it to open. But we've got the Ravens and Chiefs, obviously, in the championship game. Joe Burrow is going to be healthy again next year. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with the Browns, but they put together a good team with, like, five different quarterbacks this year. Jim Harbaugh is in L.A. He's the Chargers coach. He's had success at the NFL level. So, Mike, how long do you think? Do you think – do you expect this team to come in and be one of the favorites in the AFC again next year? As long as Josh Allen's here. But then again – Every year that Josh Allen's salary goes up and the cap crunch gets that much more hard, he's going from uh, $18.6 million this season to $47.1 million next season. Now, like, you know, Greg Thompson can figure out all the uh, restructure magic and we can free up 20 or $30 million, But every time that uh, if we're pushing off Josh Allen's salary like that every season and it's going to keep going up, I'm not sure how, how much it goes up after next season. But uh, that really gets you into a bind. And you really have to hit on these draft picks. As long as Allen's there and Bean can hit on his draft picks like he has been a little bit more in the recent years, uh, and especially if we can get him some weapons, if we can get him some downfield weapons like Burrow has, like Tua has, like uh, C.J. Stroud looks like he has as well. Uh, I didn't mention 
Yeah, I think uh, their window can be open as long as uh, as long as they don't do what the Dolphins did with Dan Marino and just rely on his arm, you know, first, second, and third. Yeah, you said the name. I wasn't going to say it in this show, but I've been I've been thinking about it all week. What about you, Maniac? Yeah, sorry, Dan Marino. You never finished the story. With that said, uh, how long is this window open? I'm going to tell you right now. There's a there's a Super Bowl window, and then there's a Super Bowl sliding glass door. Okay, let me let me explain to this what I'm talking about. Okay, Josh Allen is going to sign at least one more contract with the Bills in my mind, and I think he's going to sign it in two or three years, right when he has the leverage of being like the tenth to twelfth paid guy, and he can re become the number one guy. So I'm looking at his deal right now. What, five years left on it uh, at this point? One, two, three, four, five. Uh, yes. Yeah, so he's got that five. He's going to re- renegotiate in three, and that's going to be another five-year deal. So that's eight years right there. That's your Super Bowl window. You have till 2032 to win the Super Bowl with Josh Allen. Now, here's the thing. If Josh Allen wins the Super Bowl next year, I don't think there's ever any need for him to ever think that he needs to leave Buffalo. Think about it. He's on the cover of Madden. He's a celebrity at all these events. He has broken the mold of like someone 10 to 12 years ago, 10 to 15 years ago would tell you that you couldn't get like a career after football playing in Buffalo because you couldn't network. You couldn't make the connections. It was all happening in like LA, Miami, all this stuff. I think that that mold has been completely broken. I think that Josh Allen, you know, is such a superstar that he's risen to that level and he doesn't have to worry about the exposure long-term like financial well-being all that stuff. again and i get that that sounds silly to anyone of course if i had a 250 million dollar contract i'd finish but it's all about what you think you're worth so right now josh allen is mine is worth 40 to 60 million every year so he wants to probably replicate that for the rest of his life and i think that as crazy as it sounds he can do that after his career in buffalo given the prowess he has around the league the connections he's made and overall his stature as a player so with that said, if he wins a Super Bowl in the next couple of years, it becomes a sliding glass door, and he will retire a Buffalo Bill. Hmm. Peyton Manning did not win his Super Bowl until he was 30 years old, as people have been pointing out this week. He was 3-6 and six in the playoffs before that. So who knows when success finally comes, if, when you get past your uh, your horcrux like uh, Manning got past Brady. We thought we thought it was all set up for uh, Allen and the Bills this year, finally getting a home game in the playoffs, just like Manning did with uh, Brady in the championship game. Uh, also, let's let's uh, remember the tale of John Elway, who uh, kept coming up short time after time, and then got to a Super Bowl when he finally had finally had a good team around him, like uh, in the last two years of his uh, career. Yeah, I mean, we yeah we've seen it in the past with these quarterbacks, these outstanding quarterbacks <laughs> who break through later on. And I, that's where I give a lot of hope. The biggest thing with the Allen thing is, I mean, he's a he's a freak of nature. He's an athletic marvel, but eventually those hits are going to, he's not going to, he's not going to be able to run like this his whole, maybe he will, maybe he will just be galloping around for his whole career in those eight years. But I imagine those 32, 33, 34 years, he's going to want to stay in the pocket a little bit more and he's going to want to, and he's going to want to dice around. And how do you build the offense around Allen when he can't get you out of these situations? That's why adding to this wide receiver room right now, getting ahead of it, Stefan Diggs going into year 30, there's not a lot of wide receivers that are producing career best years past year 30 and on. And so this is the time to add to that. I think that's the biggest, we come back to that wide receiver thing. Bean did not, uh, the one thing I didn't mention, Bean has not picked a wide receiver. There's not been a first round one round one through three wide receiver since Zay Jones in 2017. If you they, don't count the, if you don't count the trade, yes. Yeah. yes. And I, 
don't because it's a tr- it's it's a guy for a 26 year old. It's not a 22 year old yeah, cost established guy. guy that you know can yeah. produce. And it's awesome. Yeah, and he's and he paid off. Like that was a that was a great trade. It all worked out. How would Justin Jefferson look? How would it look that Justin Jefferson stepped in? It's another sliding doors moment for the Bills with the draft and everything else. Ended up as Patrick Mahomes. How would he look here? You know, we could play Uh, all these uh, multiverse words. I can't stand that shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. Everyone who fires – and anyone who, like, tweets, like, oh, how pissed do you think the Bills are? Are you serious? Like, nobody here is pissed that we don't have Mahomes. I know that – you know, he's got championships and he's got a Kermit voice, but nobody is lamenting uh, that we don't have him. Now, I want to ask you guys a question. Would yes. you trade the our f- next three first-round picks and two seconds to trade up to number two this year? And for, take who? For Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. Maserati Marv. Partham, are you serious? It's I like think, a 1,200 yard lock in his rookie season. We're doing the draft day trade. We're doing the Kevin Costner. All I'm saying, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, if you wanna, if you wanna be like, we're all in. Like, yeah, it seems like we're 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 gonna be pretty bare bones anyway. So might as well just like you know go all in and at least try and win a championship and figure it out on the yeah. back end. Like the Rams. I, I don't know if it's gonna be for Marv, but I. I will make the bet and hit that button that they will trade up into the teens to pick a wide receiver to get somebody this year. They're not going to let it come to chance. I hope that they do trade up, but I, don't, I wouldn't want to make that trade for that many picks because the wide receiver class is so deep, and I have confidence they can find someone on day two as well as day one. I don't have confidence in that because he's been afraid to pick them, but hmm. I, I think they need to take some swings. You can't, you can't, you can't be in the game if you're not taking the swings, right? You're not going to hit the home run without without taking a shot at it. So we did have a comment in Instagram. Uh, what do you think about replacing the coach? Uh, it's, mm. it's not going to happen, guys. It, it's going to it take season. an atrocity, yeah. yeah. And I get it. And I get it makes people feel good. The The reason it feels good is just like because it compartmentalizes all the problems. You don't have to worry about the drops. You don't have to worry about the special teams disaster. You don't have to worry about the, you know, defense no-show. And people can be like, well, that's all, you know, the coach is responsible for. The coach can do, like, as much as he wants. But at, at the end of the day, they're competing with another coach on the other side. Yep. That was shout-out to Menace39 for asking what are your thoughts on the coach placement. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in line with that. Like, it's it's just – It's not worth the energy, truthfully, because you know it's not going to happen. Exactly. Yeah, it's just not – it's Unless they go like eight and nine or nine and eight next year, which will, if that happens, we're going to have a, this is podcast going to be a lot angrier than this year's end of year version is. Uh, that's the only way I could see it is if it's a disaster like that. If they're a perennial playoff contender, if they make the playoffs next year, even if they don't win the division, if they make playoffs next year, Sean McDermott's not going anywhere. They're going to keep that stability. Terry's Terry hit on one coach in his career. He's going to keep that guy around as long as he can. The one tale that I remember is uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the latter part of the 90s just uh, were, per- were perennial Super Bowl you know, contenders with that defense of theirs under Tony Dungy. But uh, it got to the point where they kept coming up short so often that one guy from the Steelers called them paper champions at one point. And then they tra- then they switched over to Gruden and boom, they became super- actual Super Bowl champions. Uh, I don't know how many other times that might have happened where a team needed a change of coaching a change of you know a new leader voice in the room to get them over their hump but uh it's certainly something to think about in the distant future but not the immediate future especially because uh i think terry pagula liked sean mcdermott not just as a coach but as a person uh for various reasons 
The other thing with the tenure, uh, what's that? The five-year rule where no co- coaching QB has ever been yeah. together for five or more years now in Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just uncharted territory. You look at regular season record, and again, I know people want to focus on the playoffs, especially when you have Josh Allen. Regular season is how you get to a good position in the postseason. Yep. That's how you get multiple home games, which puts you in a better position, even though people don't feel that way. And that's something McDermott's excelled at. Well, ask and- Marty Schottenheimer how that worked out. <laughs> oh yeah now you're just playing all the fucking hits Parker. yes well he's your teacher i'm with you with the competition in the afc this team needs to be the one seed next year that's how you get yeah. to the super bowl is you get the bye and you're the one seed going into going into it and you let everybody else beat each other up in the wild card and by the way the, the, 40, the, got the yet. 49ers are the super bowl favorite right now they were the one seed like in their conference they didn't make it look very easy in that divisional round. You know what I mean? So, again, it's it's the NFL playoffs. It's fucking tough, no matter yep. what happens. Yep, it is. But we're, we paid the bills. We did our job here. Season is wrapped. We'll be back with some draft stuff later on. But for now, you'll catch all of us next uh, on Saturday morning for some WWE Royal Rumble. That is going to be a Royal Rumble. With Among other we things we're going to probably discuss. Yes, yes. But we are here. Can you, just see, can you just see Linval Joseph coming to the ring and everyone's like, how are they going to throw him over the top rope? <laughs> <laughs> no, but shout out Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case for this weekend. Yes. Yeah. And, and if you're going to be a sicko like me and, and hate watch the AFC championship and then watch the Lions and Niners afterwards, that's where you need to go. So, yeah, we paid the bills. Thank you, Maniac. Thank you, Mike, for joining. Have a good night. Go Bills. Go Bills. <laughs>